This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, Cardinal fans. I'm Ozzie Smith. Corks one into right down the line. It may go. And you're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Here's your host, Brent McMillan. Hello and welcome to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. I'm Brett McMillan. Glad to have you with us for this episode as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the 1967 World Champion St. Louis Cardinals. Recently had that team back in town to celebrate their World Series victory, and it was a parade of legendary names that made their way back to St. Louis here for the reunion. Uh, During that time that they were all in town, we were able to do sit-down interviews with four of the members of that team. Orlando Cepeda, Bobby Tolan, Steve Carlton, and Julian Javier. We also sat down with Tim McCarver, too, the catcher from the 1967 roster, but that conversation going to come your way in a couple of weeks as its own podcast as we're celebrating Tim going into the Cardinal Hall of Fame later on this summer. 67 Redbirds beat the Boston Red Sox in seven games. That claimed the franchise's eighth world championship back in 1967. The four interviews that you're about to hear were originally for our TV show, Cardinals Insider. So my questions are a little bit softer than the answers, and while it might not be the cleanest listen that you're ever going to have at a podcast, I do think that you're going to just appreciate the organic feel of getting to be in the room as the questions were asked to these players, two of them Hall of Fame players. Because we're asking these questions for TV, there's also going to be some repeats, But each player had a different perspective on some of the questions that we were asking, and I think that that's just part of the fun, is seeing how they remember their world championship differently. We begin with Orlando Cepeda, the first baseman who won NL MVP back in 1967. He hit 325, 111 driven in in his first full season in St. Louis, and he had finished second in the MVP voting a couple years earlier in 1961 as a member of the Giants. So I asked him what he thought propelled him to first in the award, in 1967. I came here in 1966. And uh, then I was May, Mother's Day. So in 67, I went to spring training with the team. And McCarver told me, we have you from the beginning and we're going to go all the way. So things like that, either put pressure on you or help you. Help me, give me confidence, you know. So I did it, but they also helped me so much. What was it like working with Red Shane Deeds? What was his management style like, if you had to describe it? Well, Red Shane Deeds, uh, he's told us spring training that uh, I don't have to tell you how to play the game. You know how to play the game, play hard every day, and don't worry about anything. What I'm saying that he make you feel relaxed. He don't try to put pressure on you. You know, sometimes a manager, sometimes he can get to you. 
so red made us relax and go play one game at a time. How did Roger Maris change things for you? Great, great teammate, <clears throat> great friend, great ball player. You were a, a great hitter, obviously, and so was Roger. What did you learn from him, and what do you think maybe that you were able to impart from him? Well, Roger helped me so many ways, you know, the way he played every game. He's the best 260 hitter I've ever seen in my career. Clutch hitter, clutch in the outfield, great baseball baseball. Base runner uh, surprised me the way he ran the bases and surprised me the way he played every day. He never complained. He come to play every single day. Go off for five or go five for five. He was the same person every single day. Great friend and great baseball player. Mike Shannon had to move to third after Roger came over. How did you see Mike develop? across the diamond from you. Amazing. It's hard to do it. But I remember that Mike in spring training used to come every day before everybody and go to third base and work so hard. And then he did a great job playing third base. Amazing. You guys were a really competitive bunch. Tim McCarver told me yesterday it's the most competitive team he ever played on. Amazing. I've never seen any team like that. Why do you think you guys were so competitive as a group? Because, you know, let's red say, you're a professional baseball player. I don't have to tell you what to do. You go there, do the best you can every day. And nobody was better than nobody. We were equal, the same frame of mind, play hard every day, and do the best we can. What was the World Series like with the Red Sox? Was it fun? Did you have respect for them? Oh, yeah. you got to have respect for them. You know, the, you can't take them for granted. And you got a, you know, great team. It's the World Series, so obviously you want to win for that reason alone. But um, how were they as far as a compete level, the, the Red Sox? How did they push you? Because they were a competitive bunch, too. they got a great team. Yeah, yeah Trensky, one of the best players ever. Gene Lombard. They have uh, uh, Petroselli, they have George Scott, they have a great team. Why do you think you guys as a group were able to get to Lomborg in Game 7 like you did? Javier had that three-run homer and, and you guys win in Boston. You're right. It's hard to explain, you know. You, you, did, you do it. Yeah, because he, he beat you guys, I think, twice. I'd have to look. And then, and then you put a couple of runs on him in, in Game 7. Is there something that... Maybe as a ball player, a hitter that you see different a third time through in, in seven games? Work for, for him or work for us. We saw him a couple of times. He saw us a couple of times. So. What's, uh, what do you remember the clubhouse being like after you won game seven? Amazing, amazing. I've never seen so many people so happy together. Because it's hard, you know. I mean, you play the whole, you start spring training, through the year, World Series, last game of the World Series. It's hard. But so when you win and you finish, it's a relief. I did it.
So we did it. And then our last question. You have a lot of things that you accomplished during your career, but to be a world champion and to do it here as a St. Louis Cardinal, what did that mean to you personally? It means a lot because uh, wherever I go, people remind me the World Series. People remind me their Birdo. Wherever I go, I get to know somebody from St. Louis because St. Louis had the best baseball town in baseball. Bobby Tolan also gave us some time on reunion week. He was a reserve outfielder and one of the youngest members of that 67 team, just 21 years old. As an outfielder, he was with Lou Brock quite frequently that season. Lou had a great World Series. He had 414, three runs batted in, and eight runs scored. His second fall classic in St. Louis after coming over midway through the 1964 campaign. But Brock's 299 batting average was his best during a full season with the Cardinals to that point. So I asked Bobby Tolan if he kind of got the sense from Brock that Lou came into his own or hit a new level during that 67 year. No, um, you know, he had, I think he played in the 64 season series. And so, you know, he was a great ball player then. He just didn't get the chance, I guess, when he was with the Cubs. And that's why they traded him over to St. Louis. But he was already established um, after that trade, and he went on to have you know, a, a Hall of Fame career, obviously, but um, just being around him made me a better ball player too. How did that group in 67 compare to any other team that you were on as far as competition level? Well, I, I think playing with Cincinnati, playing with St. Louis, San Diego, Philadelphia, and a little bit with Pittsburgh, St. Louis was the best team that I was associated with, even though I didn't get a chance to play on a regular basis, although I did get into quite a few ball games during that season. But as far as playing on an everyday basis, uh, I enjoyed Cincinnati. But the, the Cardinal players we had with, you know, Savage was there for a while, Gibson and Brock, Cepeda, they all took me under their wings. And being the youngest guy on the team, they wanted to make sure that I stayed out of trouble and, and played the game hard when I did get a chance to play. How did Roger Maris change the lineup and the complexion for you guys that season? Well, his experience, you know, being a winner over there with New York, it, it made a big difference coming over here. It, it gave uh, Mike Shannon a chance to realize that he could play another position, at, you know, at a high level. And Roger and I became real good friends. Uh, ironically, late in 67, Roger came over to me and told me that he was going to retire after the 67 season, his first with us. And I'm like, uh, wow, he said, I've already told the Cardinals that you should be the starting outfielder, so they'll have you, Brock, and Flood. And I was so excited. You know, I called home and told everybody I'm going to be starting in the outfield next year. And then about a week or two later, he came back and said he had to play one more year. And I'm like, why? Why you got to play again? He said, well, I was just offered a real nice beer distributorship in Florida, and uh, so I've got to play one more year. And that obviously... Uh, ended my career pretty much with the Cardinals after the 68 season. I think if Roger had retired after 67, I may have had a chance to start and play every day, and maybe I would have played with the Cardinals a lot longer than I did. What was the most impressive thing when you did play next to Kurt Floyd in the outfield? What impressed you about the way he went about things? He was very, very gentleman-like. Uh, he and Brock both, uh, they went to work, even though it was a game. They went to work, they put in their full hard hours that we had to be out there three or four or five hours a night. 
and just playing alongside them, teaching, knowing how to play the hitters, how to move and move around out there in the outfield. Uh, things that you stick to and you remember from the first inning until the ninth inning. The seventh game, my understanding is that there was a, a newspaper headline that morning in Boston that excited you guys a little. Yeah, you know, you, you wake up, you go have your coffee, whatever it is, and all of a sudden you see Lombard and Champagne, and you're like, you got to be kidding. Do they know who they're playing against? They know who's pitching? You know, and Gibby, uh, he didn't like that himself. I mean, he took that to heart, so he went out to prove something, and he did a great job proving it. He had a broken leg part of that season and, and still came back and did what he did. What right. was the most impressive thing to you about the way he stayed in shape and then contributed at the end? Well, I remember Bob saying something, I think, during the sports writer's dinner that I think it was Clemente that hit the line drive that broke or fractured his ankle. And and uh, that gave Nellie Browse the chance to come in the lineup and, uh, and, and pitch. And Browse was doing a great job. And Gibson kind of got a little bit of worried. So he, he kind of came back a little bit earlier than he was supposed to, which, which turned out to be a big break for us. But also by getting hurt, it made Nellie Browse blossom as a start, starting pitcher also. And then final question. When you talk about that 67 team and we look back 50 years later, for, for fans who weren't alive then or didn't see you guys play, what do you think? Cardinal fans need to understand about that group that maybe they wouldn't by just watching the old highlight films? Well, baseball back then, we knew how to play the game. And we played to win every game regardless of the score. Uh, nowadays, you'll see some guys uh, jogging down to first base, hit a fly ball to the outfield, the outfielder will catch the ball, and they're halfway to first base. Uh, but then if they drop the ball, you know, he should be on second, but he's not. The guys today, they've got great talent. They've probably got more talent and ability than we had, but they're still learning how to play at this level. Um, but the guys that we had, um, it was just a bunch of star players. Uh, there wasn't any real superstars like the Mays and the Aarons and the Clementes and the Colfaxes. We were just a bunch of star players who played together as a team, and that's why we won. Our third conversation in the podcast with left-handed legend Steve Carlton. A lot of people forget, but before he won four Cy Youngs in Philadelphia, he pitched in St. Louis from 1965 until 1971. And in 67, he contributed 14 wins compared to nine losses and had a 298 ERA. It's rare for him to do interviews at all these days. And in fact, I think the reunion is the first time I can remember him doing a public appearance in St. Louis, at least during my lifetime. He did so much winning in 24 years as a big leaguer. So I wanted to know what a young Steve Carlton learned in 1967 about being a winner in Major League Baseball. 67 uh, was a, you know, everybody talks about the, I think the continuity of the of the team at that time because I thought we moved in great synchronicity because I'm. I'm just learning the game myself at this level because I'm, I'm new a couple of years in the big leagues and um, they were just an amazing ball club, you know, flood hitting behind Brock and Brock stealing bases and, you know, the first thing we get one run and that's a lot of times that's the only run we got, you know, so, but they just, uh, they were, they were just a, a team that we weren't going to score a lot of runs so we had to be very skilled at, at not giving up a lot of runs, so. And that was the the key to those those years that we were winning a lot of games, you know. So it's uh, and I just thought they were just like an incredible team because all, all you know the Phillies were in '80 when we won it, where where I think they might have had more talent, but they weren't a skilled uh, team, as fundamentals of baseball as this. Uh, 
Cardinal team was. You had three guys in that rotation in 67 that ended the year with a sub-3 ERA and another guy, I think, that was a 301. Yeah. What made that group capable of those numbers? Well, you know, the ballpark, our, our, our defense ability, our skills, you know, in the outfield, but uh, the ballparks are bigger back then. I think the ball was not as hot as it is today. Um, so you're not going to give up a lot of, especially in that, that old Bush Stadium, you're not going to give up a lot of home runs, you know. Uh, so you can manage, you, you know, I call it managing the bases. You know, you can, you can let them go all the way around the base as long as they don't go past third, going home, you know. So if you can manage that, then you can, you can pitch under pressure and you can, you can win ball games because you know, there's going to be one, a lot of one-run ball games in, in that equation. So. Yesterday, Tim McCarver told me he felt like that was a, it was almost a nasty World Series. I think it was when we were talking to Mib and when you guys were together last night. Yeah. Um, do you concur with that? Did it, did it feel nasty in those seven games? No, I was just I was just scared to death. <laughs> just my, my, you know, because they were in the World Series of '64, but I was I was on the last like 20 days of the, you know, when they bring the kids up. I was there, and I was uh, I had a chance to get in one of the second to the last game. And if Bobby Tolan pinch hits, uh, then for the hit for the pitcher, that I'm I'm the only pitcher left, or only it might be the only player left on the because uh, we went through everybody. And I was warming up in the in the on, in Bush Stadium and uh, on Grand. The old, the old, old Bush Stadium, and you know the down the left field line and left left-handed pitcher. The, well, the pitching mounds are right there by the by the stands, and the stands are only about that high. So people are leaning over and waving at you. And I'm left-handed, so I'm pitching right along that wall. I'm scared to death. I, I can't even see the catch. You know, Ricketts down here catching me as I go. Oh, it was so noisy in that place, and because I'm used to pitching like in front of 200 people in a in a minor league situation. Because I, I, I was with four ball clubs that te- uh, that year before I came up at the end of the year. And I was scared to death. You know, so I didn't get in that World Series, but in so in the, in the first time I got in the World Series in '67, so I was pretty, you know, pretty on edge. You know, so I wasn't a dominant pitcher I became because I when I came up my slider in '69 is the first year I threw that slider. That that changed a lot for me because it, uh, it 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 intimidated hitters. You know, they they couldn't go out and, and work on that outside corner where I'm, I'm getting strikes on them. They had to stay back in so because that slider is going to be biting inside on them. So it took took care of that, you know, that inside pitch for me, which I needed. It was perfect for me. I wish I'd have had it in in '64, you know. So, I, but I didn't. So many accolades for you, and you know, I think a lot of people don't think about your Cardinal days sometimes if they're younger. But what yeah. did it mean to you to win in '67 with this group, with this franchise? Well, no, the, well, any, any, all World Series are, are great. You know, unfortunately, we, you know. The following year, we lost that. We were up, up three to one to Detroit. But uh, any, any your postseason play is great. I mean, it just it never gets old. You know, you just don't care if you know you win on the first year, or the last year of career. You know, it never gets old. Winning is, and that's the height of winning. You know, to to you know, be world champion. So everybody strives for that. It's it, it's very meaningful. <laughs> it's every everything that you that you go out and work work hard for. You know, that's your reward. Last thing, <laughs> I know you know Bob really well, and obviously he was a key piece of something. Nobody knows Bob real well. <laughs> His wife doesn't know him that well. <laughs> How did he set you guys apart being the number one that year? Well, I think everybody looks for their their leader, you know, and uh, Timmy's a, sort of the leader on the on the, uh, on the on the hitting side, and Gibby is a leader for the pitchers, you know, and they watch him perform, and you know, because we always. Because he had that intimidating factor, you know, if, 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 if you settle the score, Gibby's on the mound, he's going to get it done, you know. So 
he was the go-to guy, you know, and we're just kind of learning this whole thing, and he was, he was a master teacher at that. In typical Bob Gibson fashion, he didn't just win three games in that World Series, he also belted a home run as well. So did Julian Javier, a three-run bomb off Red Sox starter Jim Lomborg, exclamation point in that ball game, giving the Cardinals a 7-1 lead during the sixth inning at Fenway Park. I asked about that a few questions in, but to begin, I wanted to get his take on why he thought the 67 roster was so incredibly successful. Well, I told you that when we play, uh, the whole club was uh, happy, you know. Everybody was so good, train and, and talk about and go moving around, and, and I think this is what we want. And, uh, you know, we have a couple of ball, good ball players, and, uh, and we made it. You had some great pitchers on that team. In fact, three of the guys in your starting rotation had sub-three ERAs. How did that help you guys kind of springboard to becoming a championship caliber club? Well, you know the time, the heart of the, the team is at the pitching. So uh, we have a Gibson, and we lost Gibson that year, I think. The Nelson brothers came and have a good year. Then after that, we have the other, the other that make a good work. So uh, then we hope to, uh, you know, hitting all the, you know, at the right time, and uh, and we made it. Game seven of the World Series, you step up in the sixth inning and hit a three-run homer. Tell me about what uh, Lomborg threw you. Walk me through the at bat. I don't know. I was looking for everything, so he threw me a good, good slider. So for I hit a very good. Then. At the end, and with that home run, uh, he threw me the same pitch. They were waiting for bunt, but they gave me a hitting sign, uh, you know, and, uh, and I hit the ball out. And we have, we went uh, three, uh, about six two or some seven two. So he said, "Okay, we, here we go." Gibson said, "Okay, thank you." <laughs> so, so we go all the way. Morning of Game Seven, you guys wake up and there was a very famous headline on one of the Boston papers. What did it say, and, and tell me how that made you feel? I told you they were talking. They were talking a lot about the Boston team, and we saw we uh, were telling, uh, "Don't worry, we go and get it," and we got it. So uh, they were so quiet when the game, at the end of the game, and uh, we make a lot of noise, you know. So uh, and that's what happened. Last thing, when you think about that 67 club, if you had to talk about, kind of characterize the group as a whole, what would you say made you guys a, a special group of players? In that team, everybody was a special. The guy on the bench and the guy who played the ball. Because, uh, you know, I get one ball player all together, you know what I mean? So we're trying to play hard, and everybody play hard. We got a good hitting team. And... Uh, that's why we made it. Our TV story on the 67 Cardinals is in the May 28th episode of Cardinals Insider. If you want to watch live on television, check out cardinals.com slash insider for local listings. Plus, we're on demand, cardinals.com slash video or the MLB at bat app. If you go the app route, just make sure to go to the video tab and type Cardinals Insider into the search bar. It'll bring up individual stories as well as the full episodes, too. 
As I mentioned earlier, Tim McCarver gracious enough to give us some time when he was in town for the 67 reunion. He has great stories about both playing and broadcasting, and you won't want to miss it. Uh, really a great baseball personality, and we'll bring you the whole conversation we had with him closer to his induction into the Cardinal Hall of Fame in August. It was a blast catching up with the 67 team. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And we give a big thanks to our four guests today. For those guests, Orlando Cepeda, Bobby Tolan, Steve Carlton, and Julian Javier, I'm Brett McMillan. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.